This is Jeff. Hey. This is Jeff's bush. Hey. Jeff's bush is not attractive. Hey, Susie. Looking sweaty today. Thank you. Oh, yeah, you wish! Looks like this wingman needs his feathers clipped. You see, confidence begins below the waist. And doesn't Jeff know that when you trim your hedges, the tree stands taller? Hey, neighbor. You're trimming your bush or a grizzly bear back here. Good question, Keith. Hey, you signed those divorce papers yet? Moment of truth! That monster looks about as precise as a rusty butter knife! So Jeff will need the steady hand of a neurosurgeon to... Understandable reaction, fellas. This waking nightmare happens every day and could have been avoided with the right tool for the job. Introducing the Lawnmower 2.0 from Manscaped, a precision-engineered personal trimmer for an unruly bush, and more importantly, what's underneath it. How am I not passed out yet? Its skin-safe technology means you won't nick or snag your most delicate spots. And a 6,000 RPM motor makes short work of even the leafiest shrubbery. But don't let the name fool you. This lawnmower is so quiet, it's received the National Librarian Association's Quietest Men's Personal Trimmer Award 97 years in a row. Its ceramic blade module may be state-of-the-art, but let's be reasonable. Nothing lasts forever. Yeah, especially Keith's marriage. That's why the brilliant minds at Manscaped made it replaceable. This prevents the buildup of bacteria, and honestly, makes the thing flippin' immortal. Oh, did we mention it's waterproof? Because it's waterproof. So go on, guys. Mow when it's wet. Mow when it's dry. Mow on a red-eye flight to Mesopotamia. Manscaped has every bush covered, even Jeff's. Hey, Keith. You're strong, man. You'll get through this. Thanks, Jeff's Bush. The Lawnmower 2.0 from Manscaped. Click now to have the world's best personal trimmer delivered right to your door and get a free toiletry bag with your order. And that is www.manscaped.com. and wildest podcasts on the planet and you're listening to the Punisher's Batcave
All right, all right, all right. Welcome to the Bunisher's Batcave, ladies and gentlemen, with our hosts, Charlie and Chris. All right, uh, Chris, what's going to be for our topic today? Uh, let's see. Oh, let's talk about... Um, you know what we should have had in mind about the UCF Knights? Oh, right. How about the Knights? Uh, they're 4-2. They face this week uh, ECU at 7 o'clock on CBS Sports Network. Uh, what's your take on this, on the, on the UCF Knights, Chris? I think they're a good team. I, For sure, right now, they, their chances of getting an, into an NY6 bowl are not that good now. So what are they going to do? Well, who knows? I mean, th let's just put it this way. Uh, they could make it into an NY6 Bowl next year, but this year their their chances are slim to none. Uh, they're probably going to make it into the AAC Conference uh, game. If, if, they, if, they, if they keep winning the, the next few games, even in this one, this game against ECU, so let's uh, backtrack a little bit into uh, UCF and what they could do as a as a team. Uh, so far, Dylan Gabriel is doing has been doing very well, but in the in his first two games, but in his last two games, he's been doing very sloppy. Um, I think it has to do with the fact that he's a. It's not that the, just that he's a true freshman, but with DG at the helm, I think it'll give them experience, as they say. And I think they're doing good with that. But I think they should have, you know, let let that let, let that as a as a water under the bridge by um, having Wimbush start the in the or bring in Wimbush in the last two games when DG was not doing well. Uh, I think Coach Heupel should have had that in mind. Um, besides, he is a, uh, there is a reason why uh, Brandon Wimbush did transfer out to UCF. It was because of Mackenzie Milton's injury, and we needed a starting quarterback. Right. But, um, yeah, uh, so far that's what I think they should be doing. They should be starting Brandon Wimbush for now. Uh, now that DG has had enough experience as it is, has gained some experience as it is. Um, but um, yeah, I mean, that's pretty much it. What we could talk about for UCF as with the quarterback situation. Um, if I were the if I was the head coach, I would I would do that in worst case scenarios. If anything happens to DG or if DG has some bad games, uh, have Wim Bush back him up, and or use uh, Daryl Mack as a as a backup QB and use Wim Bush in the special plays for special plays. But let's talk about UCF's record. I mean, this year they're they've been. For the past two years, they've been undefeated consecutively for two years, and with the longest winning streak in the, in the regular season, 
last year they lost an important bowl game to LSU. I think they should have won. It was a close game. Uh, but you got to grab the bulls by the, the bull by the horns, right? That's the life model right here. Honestly, as of the state of UCF right now in this current year, I think they're doing good. Uh, their schedule is a little bit tougher than last year's. A little bit, I would say. I mean, they did lose to Pitt. They did lose to a, a good Cincinnati secondary team. Their secondary was really well. It was very good. Um, Cincinnati's secondary, like their 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 cornerbacks, their safeties, their not quarter cornerbacks is what I said. Uh, their cornerbacks, their safeties, uh, free safety, special safety, you name it. It, it, and they kept getting pounded, 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 pounded by the defensive line because our offensive line was not. I don't know what happened to UCS offensive line, but I think during that game, it revealed a, a big weakness in the offensive line. And that's why the defensive line kept going after Dylan Gabriel, and he's been getting to, uh, a few sacks under under his. Uh, uh, how do I put it? Uh, his under his statistics uh, resume, and um, I think they could. I think UCF could have done better in that game. Uh, they lost twenty-seven to twenty-four. UCF twenty-four, Cincinnati twenty-seven. Um, it, it was a close game. I think they should have kicked the field goal to tie the game. They had a chance to, but. They didn't. Uh, DG threw about, I think, three interceptions. <sighs> I mean, heading into that game, it was it was hard to watch. It was very hard to watch. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I, I mean, I mean, as as a UCF Knight fan and student, um, it's kind of difficult to see them lose two, two consecutive games. I mean, they did lose to Pitt, then they won a game against UConn, and then they lost to Cincinnati. But how do you come across from two losses? Like, how, how do you grow as a team? That's something they should ask themselves. How do we grow as a team after two losses? How do we mature around this? And how can we better ourselves to become a better football team and win these next few games? I think it first starts with uh, the coaching because there's been a lot of bad coaching during the Pitt and Cincinnati game. I think that's what dropped us, dropped UCF from the AP polls. Honestly, and we'll be talking about the AP polls later on after after this part of the of the discussion. Um, it's difficult to be a UCF fan right now uh, at this time. I mean, they're not undefeated this year, but with how they're doing, I think there's room for progress in the offensive line. I think that the offensive line can do a lot of improvement, just like they should make adjustments with uh, our, our wide receivers. I mean, our wide receivers got pounded by Cincinnati's secondary. 
Yeah, I, I saw that stuff. It, it, they kept getting pounded. Like they kept getting closed up from man-to-man -man coverage, uh, and especially in the zones when they were playing two-three. What was it? Uh, not two-three zone. It was like four-three zone or man-to-man -man zone. It, it, it was tough. It was tough watching this game. I mean, if I was UCF, I would definitely learn from these two games and then win the, the next six ball games against one, the you know, against DCU and the next uh, five teams. Uh, and about the quarterback situation, I mean, you gotta you. I understand Dylan Gabriel won the competition and won the the starting job position of the for UCS QB one uh, position, but he should have. And I'm talking about Brandon Wimbush. Brandon Wimbush is a good QB. He's very outstanding. He can run the ball. He can stay in the pocket. He can use his feet. Dylan Gabriel doesn't use his feet. He's always in the pocket throwing passes. And on a pass rush, you got to look at it from this perspective. I think Dylan Gabriel did win this position because of how accurate he is and how his BC vision is. Uh, just like Brandon Wimbush. Brandon Wimbush has a very, very good eyesight. He has a very good vision, but he puts a lot of air in the ball. As a lot of, what a lot of UCF fans in that Facebook group were saying... Um, and it's true. He does put a lot of air in the ball. He doesn't keep the ball at a good, precise, accurate, oh, um, accurate, uh, what do you call it? At a good, accurate position. So, I think there are adjustments they should make. And this starts with the offensive coaching and up to the team players. Um... The offensive line has to do a better job protecting the, the quarterback. They have to do a better job protecting the ball, using the ball, and moving the ball. And prevent and open those gaps as well for the running backs whenever they choose to run the play. I mean, predicting how Coach Heupel will execute his plays, he's going he's gonna to run the ball down the middle. You know he's going to do that. He doesn't run the ball. He doesn't tell his players to run the ball to the outsides because he knows they're going to probably get tackled there. I would say run it to the outsides when they're going to blitz you. The defensive line is going to blitz uh, the quarterback uh, whenever it's whenever he's going to pass the ball to his who are his tight ends or wide receivers. But yet again, whenever you run the ball, the the defensive line is also going to sack the running back down the middle. So whenever they try to sack the running back down the middle, the running backs have to run to the outsides. But if they're going to come from the outsides, if the defensive line is going to come from the outsides, including or the linebackers to sack the wide receiver, the sorry, the QB or the running backs or halfbacks, however you or fullbacks, however you want to call them, um, they got to run the ball down the middle. And the offensive line has to try to find ways to open up gaps so to make it more accessible and available for the running backs to run down the middle. And that's to help Heupel's case. Coach Heupel's case. Um, I'm not trying to be like a couch coach. 
to mentor this team? No, I, I just think they should make better adjustments. And let's see if they win those the next few ballgames with these adjustments. Hopefully they watch the tapes against ECU. ECU is going to be an easy team to beat. Uh, they should have watched the films against Pitt and Cincinnati this year, not last year, to see how Cincinnati and Pitt were going to play, and they should have been fully prepared. They should have been fully prepared to win those two important games that could have moved us up into the AP rankings. Now, speaking of the AP polls, <clears throat> what I don't understand about the AP polls is that, okay, you lose to an unranked team, like Pitt, you're still in the AP rankings. You lose to a team like Cincinnati, then you drop out of the polls because an unranked team beat them. I mean, it, as convoluted as it is, it doesn't make any sense. Because if you put it this way, if since Pitt did win against UCF, they should have been ranked. They didn't get ranked. Since he beat UCF, they got ranked, but Pitt didn't get ranked. I mean, and UCF drops out. If I were UCF against Cincy, they should have dropped, I would say, four to two spots. But it doesn't go like it doesn't work that way in the in the in the AP polls. I mean, the AP polls does determine whether you make it into the college football playoffs or or not. And um, from this. 5th seed to the 25th seed of the AP rankings, it does guarantee you into an NY6 Bowl. When you're ranked number 1 through number 4, you're more than likely to make it into the BCS college football playoffs. And let's talk about UCF's chances in, 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 a, in, a, in a college football playoff position. Do you think they're going to make it into a college football playoff, Chris? Uh... My ch the chances of them making it into the playoffs, it would be, uh, I would say six to nine percent. Six to nine percent, yeah. I would say the same thing. I would agree, because uh, there was an ESPN analyst that was saying uh, their chances of making it into the playoffs that year, this year, would be six to nine percent. Last year, it could have been more because they the highest. AP rankings that UCF got last year was at the 8th seed of the AP rankings. Last year. And they were ranked lower last year. This year they were ranked at the pre in the start of the preseason, I think, at the 17th seed. The 17th seed. Well, that's enough topics for today, I mean, about UCF and the AP rankings, uh, but should they be a top 10 team? That's the question that you got to ask yourself. To be or not to be is the question. Should you ask yourself, should UCF be ranked in the top 10 power rankings or not? I think they are a power, uh, were a power ten team before they became four and two in in the win loss record and their win loss record, um, but their chances of making it into the playoffs it's 
it's just shortcoming. That's why I think that UCF has the ability and the talent. They are stacked. They, they are a team that is stacked. You got Brandon Wimbush. You got Dylan Gabriel. You got Daryl Mack. You got Mackenzie Milton, who's, by the way, coming back next year, hopefully after his injury. Hopefully, and, th and God willing, if he does make it, uh, make it back next year after his injury, we're going to be a dominant team. Because we're not sure if Brandon Wimbush is going to come back next year. Because he's a, a transfer student as a senior. I mean, he's uh, attending UCF as a ma for his master's. So it leaves you into question. And and you put when you put it into perspective, what's going to happen next year? Um, by the way, UCF, this is news breaking, guys has scheduled a one-on-one... -on -one, was it a one-on-one? One-on-one uh, -on -one home series against Boise State. And I think one game... I think it's one or two. Let me look it up. Uh, against BYU. Whoops. Future football games. Uh, UCF versus BYU. Yes. Uh, they're, scheduled, they're scheduled to play BYU, I believe. And hold on just a minute. I think it would be where we're 2019, right? Hold on, just one second. Um, they're scheduled to play BYU in 2024 and in 2023. I'm assuming one is going to be one game is going to be at home in 2023. Yes, I stand corrected, and. They're gonna play BYU at home at their home in 2024. So it's gonna be two games against BYU and two against Boise State. One's gonna be at their home and one's gonna be at the bounce house. So those are two important games where two important group of five teams that we're gonna be facing as also a group of five team. Uh, in the future, and then you have also Louisville. But we have a three-game series against Louisville, which would be no. I corrected myself. Let me correct myself. It's going to be two games against Louisville. One at at, at Louisville and one at. Uh, the bounce house in Orlando, Florida. Louisville, Kentucky, of course. Uh, they're going to be playing at Louisville, Kentucky, and then we're going to play them uh, in Orlando, Florida at the bounce house. So, without further ado, this comes into question, into, not question, uh, into fruition, the next uh, ball games that UCF is playing. They're going to be playing... Um, 
the East Carolina Pirates uh, this weekend on Saturday. Uh, then they're going to play the Houston Cougars next week. Then the following week, they play the Cincinnati Bearcats. And after that, they play the Temple Owls. After that, they play the Tulane Green Waves. After that, they play the Tulsa Golden Hurricanes. After that, they play Yukon Huskies again. No, this is, sorry, the 2020 schedule. This is not the 2019 schedule. My mistake. Uh, the 2019 schedule, they play against... Yeah, East Carolina this week, Temple Owls next week, Houston Cougars the following week. Then they play Tulsa, Go Go Tulsa Golden Hurricanes. Then they, they have an off week on November 16th. Then they play Tulane Green, Green Waves after their off week. Then they play the USF Bulls, and then they have the American Championship game at 3.30 on ABC December 7th. So... That's there and and the American Conference. They're one for one. They're one and one. Uh, one win, one loss. Their overall record is four and two. And yeah, UCF is not. I mean, is it is it safe to say that UCF, Chris, is the best team in Florida or one of the best teams in Florida? I think it's safe to say that they're. One of the best teams in Florida. I mean, you got Florida, the Florida Gators, which are ranked. Num what what ranking are they at now? They're ranked, uh, I believe, in the tenth seed. If I'm not mistaken, let me double check. No, they're ranked on the ninth seed, and they're six and one in the AP rankings. Uh, they're ranked number nine. They're without their starting quarterback, uh, Philip Frank, uh, Felipe Franks, because uh, they're with uh, I think his name is Trask. His last name starts with Trask. Um, they're 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 having uh, the QB uh, two in the in the starting lineup right now, uh, starting for Felipe Franks after his knee injury. So. I think they're one of the best teams in Florida right now. UCF is one of the best teams in Florida, but they're not the best team. Uh, the Florida Gators are right now the best team in the state of Florida. I mean, they're 6-1. and one. We're 4-2. and two. Yeah, we had two consecutive outstanding undefeated regular seasons. And following that, two, in 2017, an undefeated perfected season with a win against Auburn in the Peach Bowl in 2018 of January where we declared a championship and not just that a national championship which was uh, recognized by the Collie Matrix of the NCAA so there you have it I mean we're one of the best teams in Florida I don't think we are the best team in Florida right now but if you can say two years ago who was the best team in Florida I would say two years ago it would be UCF because you see, what was Florida two years ago? Where was Miami two years ago? Where was Florida State University two years ago? I mean, UCF was on, let's just put it this way, having an, an outstanding season. They've been hitting it out of the ballpark. 
So yeah, um, what else did we talk about? Just that UCF? Yeah. Uh, okay, so this episode was just about UCF. And there, was there anything else we could talk about? Oh, their defense. Oh, their defense has been outstanding. Randy Shannon should keep his. I wish we could help. Um, uh, give him a contract extension. Uh, hopefully, Danny White will give him a contract extension. Because um, Randy Shannon has been doing very well on, uh, on the defense side of the ball. With those 4-3 zones, man-to-man zone coverage, the pressure, the tackles for losses that these players have been uh, committing, the tackles, the sacks, you name it. I mean, this is an incredible UCF defense that I've never seen since, I would say, 2005 or 2006. But way better, way better than 2005 and 2006, actually. This defense hasn't been that good since George O'Leary's defense when they beat it, uh, I would say, I think it was Baylor University with Brand- with Blake Bortles. This defense is incredible. The defensive line is amazing. Our secondary is very, very well, doing very well. That you got Nate Evans, you got Richie Grant, you got um, Brandon Moore, who's by the way got injured for the whole season this year. Um, um, I wish him a speedy recovery. Hopefully, he comes back next year. Um, and then you got Tate Gowan, who replaced him, and then you got um, Eric, I think his name is Eric Mitchell. Cam Good, you got all these talented players, and you also got on the offensive line. Don't get me wrong; the offensive linemen are having its ups and downs right now. I think the only best players they got on the offensive line is Cole Schneider and Parker Boudreaux, Boudreaux, or however you pronounce it, Boudreaux or Boudreaux. Um, you got you got these guys. Protecting the QB and trying to keep it without getting a hold penalty call. And they're just doing well. And But, by the way, Parker Boudreaux got two calls, penalty calls, against him for holding during, I think it was the Pitt game. Or Cincy game. And Cincy or Cincy games. Cincy games. And unbelievable how refs can also have a bias. It's not just the AP poll voters that are biased against UCF. It's also the refs making these blatant calls. I mean, it's. I mean, do you think that there is that the NCAA AP polls are are a broken system? I think they are. I think they are because. I mean, there are teams that are ranked, that are undefeated, that are ranked in the lower seeds compared to those that are in the higher seeds. And there's teams above these undefeated teams that are, have like one loss or two losses that are in the AP polls. But is there a good chance that we make it into NY6 Bowl this year? I think there is, absolutely. Um, yeah, I agree with you. I think this year they may have a good chance, but if we if we keep winning these games, 
If we beat Cincinnati next year, because we play them, I think, twice next year. Let me check. No, we play them once next year. Uh, Cincinnati um, may be ranked next year uh, because they're what uh, twenty one. They're I think they're in the seventeenth ranking this year. No, they're in the twenty first seed of the AP polls. So. Will Cincinnati be ranked next year? I think they will. So if we beat Cincinnati next year and beat North Carolina Tar Heels next year, the Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets next year, if we beat, I mean, and if th this is if UCF is ranked in the AP polls next year. If we beat the Cincinnati Bearcats next year or... And, not or, sorry. Um, <laughs> yeah, if we beat those teams next year, uh, we'll probably make it into the AP polls. We'll be ranked higher in the AP polls, my, my mistake. Uh, I stand corrected. So, That those are the chances that they're half the they're gonna have to willing that are they are willing to take. Another thing we could also talk about UCF this year is, in future years, why do they always? Here's the thing that I always don't, don't I I understand this in a good perspective why they do this, but they always rank three star recruits, and these are really good athletes, but it's. Not the best athletes. They're really good in the sense that, I mean, with three-star recruits in 2017, it's incredible to stay undefeated against a tough schedule in the AAC, the American Athletic Conference, and just obliterate every single team going 13-0, undefeated with our starting quarterback in Mackenzie Milton. It's crazy. Like, we beat... We even beat Pittsburgh. We even beat it. Uh, well, did we beat? Uh, no. The other Power 5 team that we should have played was canceled due to a hurricane, which we could have played at their at their home game instead of ours to, to for it to be rescheduled. And that game, I think it was against the North Carolina Tar Heels. I think. So, there you have it. I mean, I think that UCF ranks really good players, but I want them to change. I want to see a change in UCF. I want to see them uh, recruit four or five-star athletes. I don't know if Danny White has this in mind uh, because he's not a recruiter. He's more of an athletic director. It's usually the coaches that uh, recruit these athletes. So I think the coaches should have this in mind and give these athletes, four or five-star athletes, better offers at UCF. 
I mean, I don't, they got to offer them a better, better, give them better offers as a, in terms of scholarship. Um, I think it's regarding how, mu how much money-wise the, the offers are going to be, how much money they're going to be paid off of for their education. I mean, that's why four or five-star athletes have better ch chances of going to these Power 5 schools rather than schools like UCF, which are a group of five. Um, they don't get those offers. I, I want to see them offer more. I want to see them. I want to. Ex I expect them to offer more, and receive less by granting them scholarships with a lot of money that will pay for their room and board, their tuition, their lunch, their food. Actually, because it's not just lunch; it's dinner, breakfast. Um, you should offer that to all your athletes. Um, and here, here's another topic we should also talk about, not just in the recruiting realms of UCF. Let's also talk about the fact that the, the news came out in California this, uh, a few weeks ago or a month ago about student, whether or not student athletes should get paid. The law has not been passed yet here in the state of Florida, but in California, it, it definitely has, saying that uh, athletes can receive endorsements or be compensated to make earnings. Here's my thoughts on this. I think it's a great idea. I don't think the NCAA should punish these student athletes or punish them unceremoniously just because they're trying to make a living for themselves and try, I mean, to to buy a laundry detergent, to buy groceries. Yeah, it's 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 a good thing that they get scholarships and all. But what about the extra money that they can use for getting compensated? Imagine if they brought back EA Sports video games for college football and college basketball and used that for the athletes to use in the image of their own likeness. Now, I think that's a good idea. I think that's the direction that the NCAA should go. Allow these endorsements, and if endorsements don't work, allow them to be compensated in a way by selling jerseys with their name on it, selling merchandise like bobblehead figures of these athletes. I would, I mean, I would like to buy a Mackenzie Milton bobblehead and have one in my room. I would like to have a Mackenzie Milton jersey, UCF Knights jersey. I would like to buy a video game where UCF is a good team on it with Mackenzie Milton on it. That's or Dylan Gabriel. That that's something I would be interested in buying. And if that gives if that makes them earn a little bit of money, then so be it. Let let that happen. But here in the state of Florida, I would like to see that law kind of passed. What do you think, Chris? I think that's um I mean, they are student athletes. I can understand that. But, and it, and getting paid is going to affect them in the way. I 50% agree with it. A part of me doesn't. But I would say because they have the scholarships that pay for their education and stuff. But I, I'm going to have to agree with you 50% on it. I'll, I think there's a consensus where we can agree that... Um, Student athletes should get paid, um, and if UCF does allow this, if it's allowed in the state of Florida, 
when a bill gets legislated, um, it, it could turn the tables and become just like California. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, but that's a good point. I mean, there's a lot that you can actually do for this team in UCF. I mean, whether it's the scholarships. I mean, I was I was going to apply for a scholarship, but there's no scholarships available for my two under my one that I'm majoring in. So there, there you have it. I mean, that's that's our topic for today. Uh, it was about the AP polls. It was about UCF, how they're doing. Um, and also this new bill that the California legislated. Uh, who who wait, who legislated this bill? Let me look him up. Uh, his name is. Who legislated this bill? Governor Gavin Newsom. His name is Governor Gavin Newsom. Uh, here's an article, uh, and I'll read it to you guys. It's by written by the New York Times. The NCAA athletes could be paid under new California law. Governor Gavin Newsom signed a bill to allow college athletes to hire agents and make money from endorsements. The measure, of, the, measure the first of its kind, threatens this, the business model of college, college sports. Yeah, well, it may threaten it, but I think they should still get paid. It's just the NCAA is nothing more but a dictatorship. They're not going to allow anybody to get paid for, under the image of their likeness. Because they don't want athletes to receive endorsements, but will they do? Will they help get received compensated for uh, ticket sales, uh, merchandise, sellings of jerseys, video games? Eh, I, I think they could. But let's go back to the article. It has been the bedrock principle behind college sports: student athletes should not be paid beyond the costs of attending university. California threatened a standard on Monday after Governor. Yep, they threat they threatened a title. I think it's called Title IX. I forgot the number. What Roman numeral that number that is? Um, Roman numeral IX. Title Nine. It's the called Title Nine, uh, which is a rule in the Constitution of the NCAA, saying that student that student athletes shouldn't receive endorsements. And going back to the article here, it says that California threatened the standard on Monday after Gavin, Governor Gavin Newsom signed a bill to allow players to strike endorsement deals and hire agents. Um, let me go backtracking on that. Uh, I don't think they should receive endorsements, but should be compensated in other ways. Because hiring agents is something that professional athletes do. And college athletes are not... I don't. I think they could learn how, the, how stuff like this works before they get drafted into their particular sport that they're playing for. 
and um, yeah, what was I saying? Uh, that uh, I was saying, yeah, I was talking about that. Sorry, I dozed off a little. Um, I mean, hiring agents and endorsement, striking endorsement deals. That's something that professional athletes do, and at the at the college level of sports, I don't think that I don't think athletes are ready to do that yet. I mean, I mean they could learn how that works, but they can't do it just yet. So going back to the article, it, it also says that the new law, which is supposed to take effect in two, 2023, attacks the NCAA, which is National Collegiate Athletic Association's long-held philosophy. That college athletes should earn a degree, not money, for playing sports. That view also under assault. That view is also under assault in several other states and on Capitol Hill, which has held up and even as the college sports industry swelled into a behemoth that generated at least fourteen billion dollars last year. And that's the NCAA. They have built up revenue. And as athletes faced mounting demands on their bodies and schedules. Under the California measure, thousands of student athletes, I don't want to bore you guys, but I'll provide the the article and the link here on my podcast, uh, on the podcast below. Just let me know what you guys think. Uh, to the listeners, what do you guys think? Should athletes get compensated? I mean, I don't want to bore you with this long-ass article. And it was by the New York Times. Um, here's also a video of LeBron James in the article, and I'll play the video so you can hear of him talking about it. I don't want to say this is checkmate, but this is a major problem for the NC2A. You ever see Brock? Well, you put pen to paper right now. What's this going to change and what's it going to do? It's going to initiate dozens of other states to introduce similar legislation. Actually published by LeBron James. it's going to change college sports for the better by having the interests, finally, of the athletes on par with the interests of the institutions. Now we're rebalancing that power arrangement. All right, let's do it. Let's do it, man. All right. Now, I'm California. Wait, this, this is this is the number one reason why we've created this platform <laughs> to be able to have moments like this where we got the governor of California signing a bill to allow athletes in college. Let me see that thing in life. Y'all see that? We got you see that right there. That's good. That's good signature. All right, guys. That's the end of the video. It's an, it's a video that King James, uh, LeBron James, if you don't know who that is. Uh, uploaded on his uh, Instagram feed uh, back in I think a month ago so yeah I'll provide the link for you guys in the description below on on SoundCloud uh, and it will also be put up on our on the if you on Facebook and on Twitter if you follow us uh, on the Punisher's Batcave. Uh, so, yeah, that's it for today, and that's our episode uh, for today.
and be sure to tune in for more. Oh, wait, is this thing going? Oh.